0: Good morning, we're going to be in the book of Luke and chapter 24, and we'll be starting in verse 44 today. As you know, Travis started preaching in the book of Luke about two years ago. Uh, He knew he'd be gone today. He's at uh, the Tennessee Baptist Convention out in Memphis, and so uh, we saw this day was coming, and uh, we, we were... You know, a couple months ago, we were already joking that uh, it would probably come time to finish up Luke when he was gone. And uh, last week, when he preached, I looked at the scripture and uh, it was going to give him a hard time. Go, ha ha, you got to start all this. I get to finish it. But he broke it up. (laughs) Uh, So he gets the last part. I don't know what he's going to preach on next week. He's just got a few verses. Uh, Actually, I have an idea what he might preach on. Um, But I get to preach on verses 44 through 49. And if I had a title, I would call this Open My Eyes. And have you ever thought about the word open? The word open generally has a good uh, feeling to it. Uh, we get to, you know, in a month and a half, get to open a Christmas presents or a, a new business opens. When we say open, it's usually good. Now, sometimes, you know, we can open up things that are not so good. I have ever opened up the shed once. Uh, kicked the roll of carpet, and bumblebees came out at me. That was not a good opening. Uh, But generally, openings are good. And I don't know if you noticed, but as we were going through the, the book of Luke here, and especially in this chapter 24 that Travis has been preaching on the last few weeks, there are a few openings that occurred. And let me just point out, in Luke 24, verse 2, we find that the tomb is open. And it's empty. We find in uh, Luke 23:31 on the road to Emmaus, there's a portion of Scripture where it says, Their eyes were opened. Today, in, uh, as we read in the Scripture, we're going to find out that their minds are open. And also, we're going to find out that heaven is open. And all these openings have something to go with them. The, when the tomb was opened, it opened the possibility that there was a resurrection. There was no body, it was empty. Could Jesus have risen? On the road to Emmaus, Jesus revealed himself to the two men that were walking on the road. They saw that it was Jesus. So their eyes were open to proof of his resurrection. And then today we're going to see that their minds were opened and we're going to see about the predictions of his resurrection. And of course, heaven is open that we're to proclaim the resurrection. So today's main passage, we're not going to deal a whole lot in the death of Jesus as we look into this the the passage. When we read it, we're going to go, okay, it doesn't have a lot to do with His death. It mentions it some, but it actually has everything to do with His death and His resurrection. So let's just talk about the background here real quick. Okay, the tomb was open. I would mentioned that one. The possibility of the resurrection. As we know in Luke chapter 24 and through 49. I'm going to end in 49 today. And keep this in mind. This is a one-day event. It's taken uh, Travis... Uh, a a month or more to preach to this. It's a one-day event, okay? That day started with the women going to the tomb, and they found that the stone was rolled away. And so they go, you know, running back to tell everybody. Uh, Peter and John, they run to investigate to to make sure it was right. They find the tomb is open, okay? And that's the first one. It's open. That was the morning of this first day. Now, After they went back and they shared with the people that they were with, that the tomb was empty, Uh, something else that had happened that uh, the angels had uh, appeared and they had had spoken. So all these events are shared. A couple of the people that were in that room and heard the story, they had left and they're walking on the road to Emmaus. And they're talking about these things where they're joined by a man. Uh, We know later that that man is Jesus. Uh, but they encounter this man, and they, and they are talking, and he goes, what events are you talking about? And they're like, oh, haven't you heard? And so they go and they tell all about Jesus and all the events that happened, and how now that this day that they found the tomb was empty and some people were claiming that that he is alive. And so this man that they're talking to He takes the Old Testament prophecies and he links it to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And that Jesus is the Messiah. And of course we know that he reveals himself to be uh, Jesus. That is the part where their eyes were opened to the proof of his resurrection... So on this same day, it's evening, uh, they, they now they head back. It's probably dark out and they head back and they go to the, the room. And this was Travis's message last week they're, uh, that they're going to say, we met Jesus, he was, he was there on the road, we didn't, didn't even recognize him to begin with. And then he revealed himself and while they're telling the story, Jesus appears. And he has to go through and prove he's not a ghost. Okay? He says, touch me. Okay? Uh, sit down, give me some fish. Give me some fish sticks. Uh, I'm going to prove to you I'm not a ghost, and he's eating. So that's our setting that we have, okay? Still on the same day events. He's just got done proving he's not a ghost. He's appeared to everybody there in that room. Uh, and then he says this in all the Scripture here, okay? We'll read through the whole portion of Scripture, we'll go back and kind of jump into it. It says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses... And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raised from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, as you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power of ...from on high. So when these scriptures, let's back up here to verse 44. He starts out and says, "...these are my words that I spoke while I was still with you." Now, that's an interesting statement of that, why I was still with you." Okay? He kind of is, but what he's saying is, "...when I was with you before, before I had died..." Okay, and now I'm back alive. "...before I had died, there were some important words I spoke." And so they just got done eating, and this is his first statement. "...these are my words..." Okay, and you would go well. What words? We just got done eating, Jesus. You know, what was their conversation as they were eating, or maybe they all sat in silence, going, you know, watching Jesus eat to make sure he wasn't a ghost. There's nothing really significant that is said right before this that is important, but there is something very important that was said. Now, if I came in here and said, okay, uh, remember that what I said earlier today, you would go, well, no, Danny, we don't. We weren't with you earlier today. We don't understand. Okay. But if I was a coach of some sort of team and we just won the championship, and we're all, you, we're all the team, we're all together, okay. and, and we've won the championship and we're going to have an after-championship meeting and we're all gathered in a room. And if we're all sitting in that room and I'll go up there and I go, remember what I told you? I think all your minds would probably flash back to the beginning of that season where the coach said, this is what we've got to do to get to the championship. This is where we have to go. And so if I said those words, remember what I said to you, you would flash back in the time because those were the words that launched into something important. And that's exactly what is going to happen here. When Jesus says that in this portion of Scripture, these are my words that I spoke, their minds are going to go back, and He's going to help them that something important happened. These words that I spoke to you are now being fulfilled. So what words did Jesus speak to the disciples? What did He say? Well, we can go back and look in the Scripture and see some things. And here's a few Scriptures I want to pull out, and there's some links. Because he, when He kind of had his, his disciples or some of the other ones close together, He had some little different words that He said sometimes to them that He didn't speak out in public. In Mark chapter 9, verse 30, it says... And this is Jesus, and He's traveling with His disciples. He's kind of, caught them off to kind of on His own with them together. And it says, And they went from there, and they passed through Galilee. And He did not want anyone to know, for He was teaching His disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill Him. And when He is killed after three days, He will rise. But they did not understand the saying... And they were afraid to ask Him. There's another time in this portion of Scripture where Jesus kind of says, Who do you say that I am? And uh, who, who do people say that I am? And this is the, the summary of that little part of the story in Luke chapter 9. And it says, Then He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter answered, The Christ of God. And He strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying... The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised again. So here he's predicting his death and his resurrection. And this was important and he was communicating that to those that were very close to him. But what's interesting is in the beginning of Luke chapter 24... This same message is communicated again. But this time, Jesus doesn't communicate it. The tomb is empty and He's not there at this point. It's communicated by the angels that are at the tomb that the women find. Here's, Here's that little segment of the story right there. It's in Luke 24 starting in verse 5. And as they were frightened, that's the women, and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men, which were the angels, said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered these words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. So earlier on that day, the same words were spoken. And notice the similarities here. The similarities. (laughs) <laughs> the Laman, Jared, I can't even say it. Uh, the things that were similar were these. They will kill him. After 3 days he will rise. That's in the book of Mark. And be killed and on the 3rd day rise again. That was in the book of Mark. Earlier in that day he will be crucified, which is he's going to get killed and on the 3rd day rise again. You have all those all mentioned and you can see that. Now it's that evening. And these two men are walking and they're talking, and Jesus appears to them, and listen to what Jesus says to them that evening. In Luke twenty four, twenty five. It says, And he said this to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets with all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? "...and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the Scripture and the things concerning himself." So here, suffering these things, that's he suffered and he died, and entered into his glory, his life again. So here Jesus brings that up. But Jesus goes on here. And it says on verse 27, "...and beginning with Moses and all the prophets... And there's a key where I want to get in. We've gone full circle here. Jesus is going, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. He's speaking to this. And now when he gets an opportunity, he goes, now, this is what it said in the Old Testament about me. Now, that's very interesting because now when we get to verse 44, which is our passage for today, it says, Then he said to him, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So now there's more, a little bit more than just die and rise again, but there's a connection in the Old Testament. And so he had explained that to the two men on the road, and now he's going to take a little bit of time to explain it. But here's a great question. Where does it first talk about what is written about the Messiah in the law of Moses and the prophets? And so we can go back into the book of John. In chapter 1, one of the first times this is mentioned, it's mentioned by a not-yet-but-soon-to-be disciple of Jesus. His name is Philip. He's one of the twelve. And so Philip has heard Jesus preaching. He's probably followed around and listened and heard some of the things he says. And he runs back to Nathaniel and he says this. This is that portion of Scripture, John one forty-five. Philip found... Nathaniel, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So somehow he goes, what the Old Testament talked about, the person, he's here. It says Jesus of Nazareth. That's one of the first times we ever see that in the Gospels here. Okay? That and this is what Jesus is talking about. He's telling the story, but this is where the story began. But you know, at that point. There isn't the whole story of the prophecy. All the prophecy has not been fulfilled. So I went back into Scripture and I thought, I wonder what prophecy that uh, that Philip might be referring to. What, what portion of Scripture, where could they look in the Old Testament and go, you know, this Jesus might be the Messiah based on what it says in the Old Testament. So I went through, there's lots and lots of Scripture. And lots of Scripture... Uh, a lot of it takes a lot of explanation. I got some of the more simple ones, and I'll make some quick explanations about it. Okay? And just, I'm going to let you know. Uh, I also, have to read, I'm going to read it from the New Living. It's, if you're going to read out loud, that's a great version to read from. It's very readable. The rest of this I'm doing the new, uh, in the English Standard Version. But here it goes. In Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephraim, all... Are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my, on, excuse me, on my behalf. So could he have been thinking about knowing that Jesus was born in Bethlehem,? Okay, And yet he seems to have the qualities of a ruler. Uh, Hosea 11:1 says, "When Israel was a child, I loved him and called my son up out of Egypt." OK? Maybe he knew the story of Jesus and his family, how they escaped to Egypt and that they come back. Okay, this Jesus could be fulfilling that prophecy. Numbers 24, 17 says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Judah, a scepter will emerge from Israel. Okay, could he have known about the star that appeared when Jesus was born? And again, a scepter is referring to someone who rules. Or Isaiah 61.1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Well, as Nathaniel listened to him, is Jesus proclaiming good news to the poor? Well, absolutely, he's doing that. Is he proclaiming that the captives will be freed and released? That's probably some of his preaching. And in Jeremiah twenty three, five and six, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will rise up a righteous descendant from David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land, and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. So, could he have known that he, Jesus, was of the line of King David? Could he have seen that he had wisdom and that he was a right and a just man? All these things, you know something in the Old Testament <clears throat> connected his mind to that this must be the Messiah, <clears throat> And we'll find out that Jesus fulfills so much more prophecy. So we return to today's topic here. Okay, We have the tomb is open, their eyes are open, and their minds are open. So we go back into uh, our scripture here in verse 44 again. We'll back up and says this, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds... To the scriptures. So he's going to open up their minds. Now listen, open mind is, is a good thing. I, I remember years ago, uh, we, we were teaching in the youth. We decided to study uh, other religions. And we had just begun it. And I had taught on, on some religion and, and one of my uh, workers w- with me w- was young at that time and said, I don't know if we should be talking about other religions in our church. And I was like, well, no, you know, we need to understand what they what they believe and what they teach. And so, uh, you know, we should be open minded to hear other people as we hope they are to us. You know, when you get that knock on the door in Jehovah's Witness and they go, can I share with you? And go, sure, if I can share with you when you're done. You know, that we, we should take those opportunities uh, to to talk. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in our world who have opened their minds up to lots and lots of things, but they've closed their minds to the gospel. and And we hope that their minds... Can be open that they would be listened, but but they want to hear everything but that. But you know, there's a little scary sometimes. What happens in a church is sometimes we go, "I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm saved, and so now I can coast." But that's not good either. If we stop filling our mind with the truths of the gospel, you know, every day we're filling it with something. Our minds are, are just sponges; we're absorbing things in. To say that we're coasted is is not true. We're truly falling behind. We must be filling our minds with God's Scripture and and spending time in His Word and in fellowship and talking about godly things with others. Those things are very important. Our minds should be open. Open to receive what, what Christ has for us. So the minds are open here. And in the Scripture, we have that... The Old Testament is being spoken. We have here in the Scripture, when he was speaking, that he says that Messiah is coming. And we've got to remember that the Messiah they were looking for was a little different than the one that they got. And so we find at a few different times in the Scripture where that happens. So I think Jesus is going to reveal that to them. And also we're going to find out some new prophecies have been fulfilled. You think the Old Testament that was written hundreds of years before and it spoke of Jesus, that all of a sudden some of these things started occurring to them. And since His death and resurrection, a whole bunch more things have been fulfilled. So when Jesus says that He opened up the Scriptures, and He opened their minds, and He's talking about the things that happened in the Old Testament, some new things would have been revealed to them. And so I was kind of looking through and go what new things could have been revealed to them? So I'm going to read some Scripture from you. And some of them will refer to His death and His resurrection. Some will be before. You'll kind of recognize them in, in some of the stories and things that happened. Things that were written hundreds of years before, and yet were not fulfilled until Jesus lived and then died and lived again. So here we go. Isaiah 9, 6-7. You're going to be hearing this when Christmas is coming up. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies has made this happen. Listen to this in the book of Psalms. Help, Lord, they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper, and He stilled the waves. Remember that Bible story? How about Zechariah nine? Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Isaiah 50, verse 6 says, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Psalms 22, 16 says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count my bones. My enemies stare at me. And gloat; they divide my garments among themselves, and they throw dice for my clothing. Psalms twenty-two one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Zechariah twelve ten. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me, whom they have pierced. And mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. And finally, this one is from Matthew, but to, to go back and to, to to tell the whole story or to find a scripture from the book of Jonah to kind of sum it up. I can't, but Jesus summed it up for us here in the book of Matthew. He says, But Jesus replied, Oh, an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. All these scriptures, all written hundreds of years before Jesus, and yet these things have been fulfilled. But I want you to notice something different here in this scripture that we read. In verse 45 where it says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to him, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise again. We've heard that. We heard him say that a few different times. He preached it on the road. The angels have said it. But all of a sudden, he says a little bit more. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise again, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in the name, in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. All of a sudden there's a little bit more. All of a sudden there's more than just he died and he rose again. There's something to do. So remember, the tomb was open. the possibility of His resurrection. Their eyes were open on the road to Emmaus, proof of His resurrection. Their minds were opened, as we've just read in the Scripture here, predictions of His resurrections. But heaven is open to proclaim His resurrection. Because in verse 48, He lays it out plain. He says, you are witnesses of these things. Now, we're all witnesses. A witness is somebody who simply tells what they've seen and heard. And we do it every day on some sort of scale. You know, we, we see, you come across a car accident, you come across this or that, and we tell a story. We just sat in school, Sunday school class and talk about sickness, didn't you? All the sicknesses that our kids had. And, and you all are just beginning. And uh, Becky and I can go on and on and on. Uh, but well, we're all witnesses of these things. Some of you sat down and, and you watched uh, the volunteer football game. I did too. I could be a witness. I could say, yeah, it looked a little scary for a little bit. And all of a sudden, it was all Tennessee volunteers. In fact, we have some uh, eyewitnesses in here, right? We have an eyewitness back there that saw it live in his own eyes. He was not fooled by any TV screen or anything like that. He saw that. We're all witnesses. We tell of the things that we see see and hear. And that's what it says in Scripture. We're to be witnesses. The people he was talking to, he says, you are to be witnesses. You've seen it and you heard it. But then Christ still lives and he still has an effect in our lives. And we're to be witnesses of what Christ is doing. In our lives, The scripture goes on and it says, "In verse 49, "And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city, and you uh, until you are clothed from the power on high." Verse 49 ends, uh, and when Travis picks up in verse 50 next week, about 40 days will have passed." So from verse 49 to verse 50, 40 days. But I, I want to point out something because we read the book of Luke and, and, and Travis was struggling. He, he, I want book of the Bible to go through next. And he's you know, thinking about Genesis. And he mentioned Acts because Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And so, and, and we did it in our missional uh, Bible study, missional community Bible study. We did the books of Acts and that was one of my favorite Bible studies that we did. Love that one. But. If you were to just stop in verse 49 and just say, I'm not going to read the, the rest of Luke. I'm just going to go to book, the book of Acts chapter 1 and start reading. It would just go seamlessly. It would just jump right in. And there's something that happens in there. Another thing that has to deal with prophecy. And I just want to kind of jump into that a little bit just to, to see that. So it's 40 days later and he's with his followers and it's the final day. And you can read through, you can look at the end of some of the Gospels, and you can see some of the different things that he says. And, uh, and there's something that he says earlier in the uh, book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 9, he says this. He says, And when he had said these things, okay, as they were looking on him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes and said... Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same ways as you saw him go into heaven. So he's taken up into heaven into a cloud. He disappears and the angel says, Man, (laughs) he's coming again. He's coming again, this Jesus that you saw. And I just wondered... How much later was it after that happened that these witnesses looked and they saw that that somebody was studying the Scripture in the book of Daniel and they found something that maybe Jesus hadn't pointed out because there wasn't a connection to make with it. They had to be witnesses. They had to see what happened with Jesus to understand what it would say in the book of Daniel chapter 7. Listen to the Scripture. Daniel 7 starting in verse 13. As my vision... "...continued that night, I saw someone like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into His presence. He was given authority and honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey Him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed." When I was preparing this, I went, man, that's a, that's a great closing, just ending on Scripture, and it just says it like that. But I had another portion of Scripture that I wanted so badly to use. As I was studying and looking at the, uh, the, the predictions of, of who Jesus would be and what He would do, all the prophecies, And this one portion of Scripture, I went, man, where can I use it? It was kind of long, and it said a lot of different things. And then as I came to the conclusion, I went, Wow. This scripture is amazing to think uh, hundreds of years before that this scripture was written. And so, you know, we usually close up with scripture in here. And, usually, and and I have fun with it. While Travis is preaching, I'm looking for the closing scripture. And so I'm looking for a, a point that he had or some summary or I'm trying to go through. And so uh, I, I take great pride in having some scripture that will sum everything up. That, and, I, and I don't like to talk. I don't want to say, let me tell you the story of the scripture. You know, sometimes I might say, Jesus said this or Paul said this. But I, I don't want to give any more. I just want to end with God's word. And so I'm going to do that. After we do the music, I'm going to end with God's words. But I want to just set this up and remind you of something, okay? Because I won't tell all this. Hundreds of years before, this scripture that I read later sounds like somebody that was a witness to Jesus' death and burial wrote it. That, or a witness that was after, somebody that heard all the stories, somebody, maybe, maybe it sounds like the Apostle Paul could have wrote, written the Scripture. It sounds like maybe somebody he witnessed to and led to Christ could have written the Scripture. Somebody went and they put all the pieces of the puzzle together and says, let me write a summary of what Christ did on the cross. But it's from the book of Isaiah. Hundreds of years before, Isaiah 53. So when I close today, after the music, I'm going to say Isaiah 53, and I'm going to read you that chapter. And then I'll close as a reminder hundreds of years before Isaiah 53. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have done and you continue to do. We thank you that you were the Messiah that was predicted, you the Messiah that was in this story, and you're the Messiah that still are even now as we speak. I ask, Father, that as we... Uh, hear the last scripture, that we see the importance of how the things of the Old Testament just speak and just just cry out that the Messiah is coming and he's walked this earth and he paid the price for our sins and he lives today and wants us to live with him. I ask, Father, that all those things will help to open our eyes to your scripture and to open our hearts to be your witnesses. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.